morning, church. The reading is going to be from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 16. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. morning. Good to see everybody with us today. Um, and to those of you that are guests, we uh, want to extend a, an extra welcome to you. Um, Tom's got a friend with him here. Uh, Keaton, right? Keaton's been in our home. Keaton just, uh, you just finished basic, right? Close enough? Okay, don't, don't, don't correct me. Don't correct me. A few weeks ago, and he's been been back in town, up in up in Toledo, Air Force. Yes, sir. Ah, there we go. Yes, sir. He's been military. Anyway, we want to thank you for your service, and, and uh, glad glad to have you with us, Keith. Um, <clears throat> as you can see, uh, we finally got our visual put together up here, um, and uh, his name is Manuel. Manuel. Um, my kids chose that name, and uh, it's because of our uh, fan favorite uh, character from Faulty Towers, Manuel. But as Terry and I discussed it, he's wearing the full armor of God, therefore the man is well. Man, we're not going to go on until we laugh at that a little bit. Manuel. But, <clears throat> but we... I thought it'd be a, a great idea to have a visual. And the kids, by the way, it's it's pretty sturdy, and the kids are going to be um, very curious about it. So they're, they're, they can't hurt Manuel or anything uh, on him. The sword is not sharp, um, so they're not going to hurt themselves on that either. Um, so don't be afraid to let them um, get up close and, and personal with it. But as we continue with this, the theme of of the full armor of God. Um, today we're going to look at, at the shield of faith. We have, we have dealt with um, the, uh, the, the belt of truth, which is Jesus Christ uh, and, and his story uh, and what he brings to light. Um, we've looked at the breastplate of righteousness, the idea of the need and necessity to be, to be right, to be made right through Christ uh, by God. Um, last week we looked at the, the feet that are ready with the gospel message um, and how we talked about how that you know all the things that, that we're doing and all this what appears to be completely defensive uh, position we are to be prepared and protected so that we can continue with our mission and that is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world around us we don't just go hide 
in a corner uh, and, and cover our face and head, the things that God has given us to outfit us is so that we can fulfill the message for which we have been called, that message of reconciliation. So we, we should never, ever forget uh, that that is who we are and what we're to be about. Today we're going to look at the shield of faith. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Uh, and then next week we'll be looking at the helmet of salvation and then the sword um, of the Spirit, which is the, the Word of God. But today we're going to look at, at, the, uh, at, at, at the shield of faith. And, and what it is supposed to do, um, it, there's some unique language here. By the way, the, this, this shield of faith, this is the only place where this word is used, um, where, where it, it occurs in scriptures. And it, the, the Greek is thurios, um, and it, it represents the idea of a large um, shield, um, something that can protect uh, in, in many facets. And we're going to look at it um, from an individual and a collective position today because it takes on an entirely different different meaning. I did some research um, and, and to the best of my knowledge and understanding, this is probably similar to what they would have seen. So when, you know, when Paul is writing to folks, those that were in and around um, you know, Israel and the surrounding areas that were under Roman rule, one of the earliest shields developed and one of the most famous Roman shields um, is is this this type of design, um, and it is called um, the 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 scutum. And the legionnaires used it, and it was largely used um, in field battle um, with groups of soldiers. And um, the you know the closest thing that you and I have probably seen is the design of riot gear that that the police use. Um, when they're trying to control large crowds that are that are out, you know, they're out of control and they're rioting, they have these these large shields with with glass um, that they can see through in the front, and they they've got handles on the inside, um, but they can use them to protect themselves and provide them them a buffer against you know the uh, the, the unruly folks that, that are out there, and the the legionnaires, as this thing was developed, um, it it became it was like a door. It obviously had a not glass, but it had a window through the front of it so that you could see as well as, um, you know, you, you could use your sword through it as well. And eventually it became somewhat uh, of, of a cylinder so that it provided protection from the front as well as, as, well as the side. Um, and you could imagine, right, if you had hundreds or thousands of folks lined up uh, on the battlefield, it would be quite, um, quite a... A protective tool and quite an instrument uh, in the field of battle and so that's what I believe that they probably had a visual of when Paul was writing about the shield of faith that was likely what what uh, what they had seen it eventually evolved into the rounder shields um, like you may have seen with with Spartan Spartan movies the larger ones that would protect from the from the neck down to the thigh and and uh, they were again they were round they had leather attached to the planks that are underneath it and some type of, of beading around the side. Um, but, but Paul specifically says to take this up in all circumstances. Take this up in all circumstances. Never be without the shield of faith. 
And, and it goes on to say, right, goes on to say that this shield of faith can extinguish all of the, depending upon your translation, all of the fiery darts or fiery arrows, um, projectiles. It specifically had a design and use to stop projectiles from getting to the individuals, whether they were arrows, whether they were arrows that were set afire, whether they were rocks, things of that nature. It had a specific use. And so to reiterate, he says, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all, okay? And, and this again, the positive takes, you know, from these lessons, these messages, you know, look at the words. You can extinguish or put out all the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one. And of course, you know, the imagery that we probably have right now, right, are actual arrows that are a fire, things like that. Um, but as I looked at it, I thought, well, we have to make practical application of that, don't we? And, and what, what do those flaming darts represent? What, what are those projectiles that are coming at us represent? Those things for which we have to have this design protection, this shield of, of faith. Well, as I thought about it, contemplated it, um, I figured that it probably had to do with the, with the areas of doubt that, that Satan tries to, to, to put in our ear and in our heads, the, the distractions, the temptations to sin. Think, think about that. Those flaming arrows are temptations to commit sin, temptations to, to pull away from, from God, from the church, from your Savior. Those are the things that the shield of faith not can but will extinguish in, in our lives if, if we keep it in all circumstances, as, as he has said. And so, you know, you can, you can think about, right, you know the areas that you find yourself tempted. You know how Satan comes at you. Um, all of you know, the, the gambit and the breadth and the width of temptations and sins that are out there, the shield of faith is designed by God to protect us, to stop those things from getting to us. And, and that should be encouraging. That, that should be uh, a, 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 a something that we can take great comfort, uh, take strength and security in that the shield of faith can stop those things from getting to us and doing us harm, doing us bodily damage, assaulting our soul, right? The shield of faith is designed for that. The word faith appears nearly 300 times throughout Scripture, um, over and over and over and over in the Gospels alone. Jesus talks about faith, and faith, faith, faith. And so what are we going to look at today? Just a couple of areas, really, because one of the things that we learn when we see it is that faith 
comes in different measures. There, there are different degrees of faith. Faith is an ongoing, growing um, situation. It, it, it's a growing characteristic in all of our lives. We, we start out at, at a certain level of faith, and that faith then should mature. It should grow. It should continue to prepare us for um, the things that God wants us to do and to participate in. Here we have, um, we're going to look at just a couple of examples of, of faith, but small faith, little faith. And so in Matthew 17, these stories are, are ones that, that we know. Now the background here is that, um, you know, the, the, the disciples, Christ's disciples, they had been outfitted prior to Pentecost with gifts of the Spirit, Okay. Uh, and, and this is one of the examples where we know that. You know, there, 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 were, there were pieces of the gifts of the Spirit that were given to them as, as they needed. And so what we call the, the, um, the, 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 the limited journey, right, uh, that the, the Christ sent them on um, before um, his crucifixion, they, we, they went out. They went out two by two uh, into the... Into the um, suburbs into the, the byways on the highways in these small towns and they had been given the ability to heal and to cast out demons um, and and so they were out exercising those things as they were um, as, as they were preaching and teaching on the on the limited commission and so here we have an example where they came into contact with a very powerful demon so Matthew 17 14 reads like this when they had uh, came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire uh, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. So they had the expectation that the disciples could heal a son. And, and what a tragic, horrible thing it'd be, right? Uh, as, as a parent, I have a child that would fling itself into open fires and, and throw itself into, into ponds or rivers, um, you know, potentially drowning. I mean, it, it'd, be, it'd be horrible. This kid would be burned. He'd be blistered. He'd be scarred. A terrible, terrible thing. It's because he's got a demon within him. And so Jesus answered and said, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast out the demon? And Jesus said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So the, the message that Jesus is giving his disciples is that you've got some faith, but your faith wasn't great enough for this particular situation that was placed in front of you. The mustard seed 
is a very, very small thing. We have the, the you know, the, the story of the mustard tree. The, I'll, I'll, I'll diverge a second because this, it, it, it fits. You've heard this before. But the, the mustard seed is unique. Uh, and, and I believe that that's the reason that Jesus chooses it as an example, uh, illustration. The mustard seed, when planted, right, it, it, it dies uh, and, and emits um, a, a, an odor, aroma, a, a taste, and, 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 and a sticky substance is produced. And it attracts, it attracts animals, bugs, insects, to it. And the mustard seed feeds off of those, I'll call them sacrifices, it feeds off of, of the death that, that comes to it. And so death brings forth a mighty tree in the garden, the mustard tree. And so that is the design of, of the mustard seed that, that held within it is something, something great if you simply release the potential. And so Jesus tells his disciples that there indeed are degrees of faith and where you sit right now, you're on the lower end of the spectrum. But there is another end, a place to grow where you will find your faith being what it needs to be, that which can properly outfit you. And so we see another example, right? The story of Peter walking on the water, right? Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, this is when Jesus comes to them uh, on the water in the, uh, during the fourth watch of, of the night. Uh, Peter answered and said, that's between 3 and 6 a, or 3, 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. He said, Lord, if, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now, that would be a pretty brave thing to do. Right? It's easy to sit back and think about it, but when you're out on the water, you're out on the water in the middle of the night, um, if, if, it's, if it's rough, it's crashing, water is a, is a formidable foe. But Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat and was, and was walking on the water for a short period of time. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But he got distracted, right, by all of the things around him, by the outside forces, the wind, the, 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 the rain, the darkness, and got fearful. He saw the wind and he was afraid. In beginning, he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And so another example of, of, of some partial faith that accomplishes a little bit, but, but not enough. It... it, it the expectation is that his faith grows from that point forward. We're going to talk about Abraham now, the other end of the spectrum. Other end of the spectrum. Because you and I are on faith walks. We're all on faith walks as we go through life. Our faith in God, our faith in Christ, our faith in, in the Spirit. And what, and what should that be providing us it because it's beyond just the idea 
of believing the existence. When I, when I use the term believing in that context, it's, just, it's more than just the existence of God, the existence of Christ. There has to be that reliance on who God is and what He can and will do in your life and mine that, that makes the difference, that helps us right, to be able to withstand all of the garbage that the evil one throws at us, the barrage, right, the barrage of temptation that, that, he, that he lays out for us, the barrage of, of the areas of doubt that he tries to, to create, of the barrage of distraction from our calling that he wants to, to, to have. And so Abraham, right, the story of Abraham and Sarah, um, left their home, was called from the Ur of Chaldees to another, another country, and Sarah was barren. God made a promise to Abraham that said he would be the father of many nations, that, that his descendants would be like the stars and, and the sand. And yet, as he reached what appears to be the end of his life, they are still without child, right? And so there's multiple layers of faith that is exhibited by Abraham. And as the Hebrew writer um, brings to recount the story of Abraham, God was faithful in his promise. And Abraham reciprocated in a manner that is hard for most of us to, to get our minds around, to, to relate to, but is the epitome of a man's faith in his God. Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. Verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that was foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive. Right? And so... We've got Abraham who is, who is about 100 years old when Sarah finally conceives a, a child. Even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. So he's got his son, got his heir. The, that, that promise had been fulfilled, and he remained faithful to God during that time period. And God rewarded him as, as a result. But that's not the end of the story, as we know. God told him to take his son, intentional, to take his son, 
He had some servants. He took some animals. He took wood prepared um, beforehand. And he went out to a mountain, built an altar, and was prepared to sacrifice his son as God had commanded him to do, as he had asked him to do, right? And that's where it's hard to get our mind around this level of faith. Well, at least it is for me. At least it is for me. Except on bad days. No. Right? That's a, it, it, it's a, and, and we know it, it's representative um, of what God did with his only son. Because Isaac was indeed a unique son born to a woman past her childbearing years of a, of a barren womb. But God asked him to go sacrifice his son. And so he goes out, and, and this is a whole other story for another day, but Isaac, I believe, had a level of faith that was amazing as well because I believe that Isaac um, was probably, most likely, physically um, able to withstand um, his father at that point in time given that he was probably 16, maybe 18 years old, and his father was, was well over 100, he probably could have physically stopped his father. Um, but I believe he went willingly because of the faith that was bestowed upon him, that faith walk that he had seen by his dad. But again, another day. But Abraham takes him, binds him, and puts him on an altar like he would have done an animal. And when they put animals on the altar, they take the blade and they will cut their throat and, and bleed the animal out. And Abraham had a knife raised, ready to strike his child when an angel held, held his hand back. He was prepared to do it. He was prepared to do what God asked. And, and the amazing part is in the following verses with regard to um, his faith in God. And this is what I want us to take with us. Striving toward having a shield of faith around us that is, that is strong enough, right, that, that, that is broad enough that we're covered with the belief that God has us, that, that God protects us, that God honors us and, and, and fulfills all of his promises. There is not one promise that God makes in Scripture that was ever, ever not fulfilled. Right? The only, the only one that we're still waiting on comes on Judgment Day. Everything that God ever said he was going to do, he did. So we have a history of, of faith. And, and our challenge, our challenge is to allow that faith to permeate and surround us so that we are properly protected. Because, again, hard to get your, your head around it. How does that protect you? How does that protect you? How does that extinguish these flaming arrows, these missiles? Right, these projectiles, all of these temptations, right, all of these things that he hurls at us. How how does that the idea of faith 
protect us. And it's got to be because we believe the things that God has given us, the tools that he has given us, right? For instance, right, resist the devil, and he will what? Say again? Flee from you, right? Right? we got to remember that one. Resisting. He's not used to being resisted. Right? The majority of mankind does not resist temptations, but bathes in it. Resist the temptation. That is a promise by God. If you resist, he will flee. Right? We're also told that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond that which is this the advanced portion of our biblical knowledge? We won't, we, we won't be tempted beyond that which we can withstand, right? And the backside of that is because God will always provide a, a way out, right? Those are the types of things that we have to have faith in, right? You know, we've we got to remember that when, that when Satan is looking at us, this is what he should see. He, and he should see God standing behind us. Right? I, I, saw, I saw a reel not too long ago. Um, Facebook reel. And uh, it was from one of, the, one of the Spider-Man movies. And you've got a guy in a big mechanical scary monster thing tearing up Jack. Right? And, and a little kid dressed in a, in a Spidey outfit gets away from his mom, everybody's behind a barricade. Of course, I don't know what they're still, you know, still doing, hanging around behind a barricade. They need to be skedaddling. But the little kid gets out and is standing in front of this, this big mechanical monster. It's like, you know, three, four stories high. And, and he's standing between the people and the monster. And But what he didn't know was standing behind him was the actual Spider-Man, right? But yet he had, he had faith to be able to take his stand against that opponent. Um, and, and so we, we've got to remember those things. We've got to remember that if we resist, as simple as that sounds, the promise is, once again, audience participation, if we resist, he will, he will flee. We're going to have to work on the audience participation part. Um, yeah, I guess we need to get one of these things that says, like, applause, um, right, respond. But we've got to remember that stuff. When, when we face a temptation, we've got to remember, right? My, my faith in what God says is that this isn't bigger than me, Right? God's given me a way out, right? He'll, he'll never provide anything that's, that is, he'll never allow anything to come at me that is, that is overwhelming, that I cannot withhold, withstand. So Abraham, Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. Didn't have a backup. This wasn't an heir and a spare scenario like we hear with, with the royals. This was the only son. His only son. And so all the promises 
that God had made it to him. Now think about this. God had told him that I'm going to make for you, make from you, you're going to be the father of many nations. Right? It's going to be like the stars. And it's going to be like the sand at the beach. And yet he stands over his only son knowing that if he kills him, there is no further offspring. There are no descendants. There are no grandchildren and great-grandchildren, etc., 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 right? But this man, right, this man of God who had faith in God's promise was willing to do it. Chilling part. Why? Through Isaac, he said, shall your offspring be named. He considered he was going to do it because he believed that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So Abraham was willing to kill him because God had made a promise to him that he knew he was going to keep. He had faith in God that even though he's asking me to do this, he's still got a plan don't know what it is, but I know he could bring him back from the dead if necessary. That is faith. He had the faith wrapped around him in, in God. This next part. The shield is held by individuals. Right? And it's pretty good individually. But what you see here is the ultimate design for it. And this is where we come into play with one another. We come into play with one another. Right? Going out into battle by yourself, scary. But going into battle with other soldiers, brothers and sisters, less scary. And when you look at this design, Okay? When you look at this design, that is to be the church. That is to be the church. Each individual has a shield, but when we come together and put them side by side by side and wrap them around and then over top, that is how truly the flaming arrows, the projectiles, are made useless because as a team, as a group, as a church, we are much more equipped to withstand that attack. And so the importance, right, of the shield being utilized by each of us is it's, it's just integral in our ability to succeed and to withstand all of the assaults and the attempts. Just a few, as we look at the idea of together, and, cl and we'll close this out with, with this idea of, of together. Um, we've got to be together, right? How many of you ever see these videos? It's, you know, Peter really needs to go to, to the Serengeti and these places 
um, because the animals are brutal. When you, when you watch these videos of lions and tigers and crocodiles and alligators and hyenas, um, trigger warning, the, the reality is, you know, they don't kill it, dress it, roast it, barbecue it. They, they catch it and start eating it alive. The idea, the idea of the devil being described as a lion roaming to consume and kill, when you see, when you see those videos, it, it, it takes on an entirely different message. The, the idea of consuming something while it's alive is, it's, it's disturbing. It's disturbing. We have got to be together because what, what they usually do is they try to separate one from the herd, right? Right? You got a herd of buffalo, a herd of zebras, a herd of whatever they are, right? Um, the, you know, they want to get them separated. They'll separate them and take down the individual because they are less able to defend themselves when they're alone. And so the urgency and need to be together is, is clear. Philippians 1 tells us this. And I've got three or four scriptures just back to back to back. But it, it, it'll, it'll drive the message home of the idea of the church is designed to be together. Right? The idea of I'm going to be part of the church but never be with the church is nonsense. It, it doesn't work that way. We have to be together because there are things that each provides, right, to be completely um, whole as, as a body, to provide that encouragement to one another, to provide that strength to one another, and to provide the additional shields that help extinguish the missiles, the fiery arrows. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction. Right? When you see that, when you see that picture, right? When you, when you see that picture, of them together, surrounded with the shields of faith. Paul's saying that when they see that, it's a clear sign of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that is from God. He tells the Ephesians some similar things. So, then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Right, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. And what a, what, a, what, a, what a theme of together. We're to work together, we're to move together, 
We're to grow together. We are to defend together. We are to um, exhibit and project an image to the enemy and opponents of, to, of togetherness, up to and including, right, becoming that dwelling place. Um, and we shall be caught up, lifted up together. We see the same language. I don't, I don't think I included it. Um, no, I, I did not. But, but you see the same thing over in, in um, um, Thessalonians. I've got, a, I've got a little bit here, but there's, there's more language to it. Um, but the idea that, that those are a group, we are a group that is together in the walk, in life, and we are together in the gathering at the end. In him you also being built together into a dwelling place uh, for God by the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him. Do you see how many times he uses the plurality of we and together and us, right? It is, it is essential, it is essential to be with one another, to be part of uh, the, the body, the church. So the imagery you take with you this week is the, the shield of faith, that which surrounds us, that which we place reliance on, on God and his promises and what he says, right? And think and remember the idea of resisting, Right? And the devil fleeing, the opponents being scared, seeing the destruction, understanding the defeat. Right? When 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 the evil sees us, right, they should see this imagery of of God. If that the lesson is yours. If you're here today, we always extend an invitation. Um, if you're here and have never been baptized uh, into that life through faith in Christ, we would invite you to do so. Uh, at this time, we have water that is always ready um, to, to accept those um, confessions of the repentance and to witness and participate in the, in the rebirth. If you have any needs at all, we would invite you to come as Robin leads us in song.